Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's episode, three great questions from three super smart self-directed retirement clients. One is about filing a 990T for UBIT. The second is rolling over SEPs into a solo K. And the third is tackling the control group rules for establishing solo K. So we've got a fun-filled episode for you today. So without further ado, let's get started. First question is from Leslie T. of Riverside, California. Leslie wants to know, I have, a, I have to file a 990T for my self-directed IRA. Do, not, do I need to get an EIN for my IRA? So Leslie, generally, uh, as you are aware of, there's essentially in the IRA world, three things that trigger a tax known as the UBTI tax or the unrelated business taxable income tax. That is generally the only reason why someone that has an IRA would file a 990T. Okay, other than that, IRAs generally do not file tax returns. So how do you trigger the 990T? Filing is you trigger UBIT tax, where your IRA is more than $1,000 of net income attributable to unrelated business taxable income. How is it triggered? One, use a non-recourse loan to buy stock. Two, use a non-recourse loan to buy real estate. And third is you invest in an active business like a restaurant that's operated through a pass-through entity like an LLC. So if you buy Apple or Tesla, those are C-Corps, right? 99.9% of all publicly traded companies are C-Corps. So that's why you don't deal with UBIT when you buy publicly traded stock. However, if you invested in a pass-through entity like a restaurant or a bar or a consulting company, generally they're set up as LLCs and the flow through of net $1,000 or more of income attributable to that IRA or allocated to that IRA would be subject to UBIT tax, which can travel as high as 37%, yeah. Uh, that threshold is, <clears throat> excuse me, quite low, approximately 18 or so thousand bucks. So you'd follow the 990 key. And essentially, if you look at the form, you're going to have to put in the name of the org, you, you put all your IRA info, and then you sign it below generally as the, um, the IRA uh, owner. Uh, we have some clients who will complete it. Um, we'll do IRA Financial Trust Company, you know, for the benefit of John Doe IRA, we'll sign it. Uh, most of our clients like to get an EIN for their own IRA uh, and then take take uh, control of the filing, the 990T, because they're going to have their accountant do it. But either way, it doesn't matter whether you get your own EIN or use ours, you put our name, IRA Financial Trust Company, for the benefit of your name, IRA. The most important part is filing the 990T. If you have more than $1,000 in net income attributable to um, the UBTI tax uh, sources. So great question, Leslie. Thank you so much for it. Next question is from Howie Ella, Great Neck, New York. Howie wants to know, I have a SEP IRA and a traditional IRA. Can I roll those accounts into a new solo 401k? I have to set up, I, I want to set up with IRA Financial. So the answer is yeah. 
Yeah, Howie, definitely you made a good choice by coming to IRA Financial. So you can move any type of pre-tax IRA, SEP IRA, traditional IRA. Roth IRAs are still not allowed to be rolled into a 401k. I thought the Secure Act 2.0, which became law at the end of 2022, would include a provision that would allow for a Roth IRA to be rolled into a 401k. There was um, previous iterations of the bill that had that type of provision in it. Unfortunately, it didn't make it into the final version. So SEPs, you can, simples, you'd have to wait two years to move a simple into a 401k, uh, at least the assets. Um, but um, you, you, you can do it with the SEP, you can do it with a traditional IRA. And obviously if you have previous employer 401k funds, you can also move those into a solo K. Even previous employer Roth 401k funds can be rolled into a solo K that has a Roth component, which ours does. The only limitation is the Roth IRA still cannot be rolled into a solo K. But in your case, Howie, you got a SEP IRA and a traditional IRA. So you're good to go. You can fund your solo K through rollover and hopefully you continue adding funds to it via contributions to your plan um, from your business. So thank you so much for that. Great question, Howie. Third, final question on today's podcast from Jessica Y of Frisco, Texas. And Jessica wants to know, I own two businesses with my spouse. One has employees and the other one does not. Can we set up a solo 401k for the business with no employees? So <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I got this question, I will probably won't have to work anymore. Um, no. So there's something called the control group rules. Okay. The control group rules were put in place to pretty much stop this. Why? Because the IRS, the Department of Labor, want to have employers establish retirement plans and obviously provide benefits to their employees. So the IRS knows that some people, you know, generally want to look out for their own. And some folks will try to do everything in their power, set up a retirement plan for themselves or their family, and not really offer benefits to the employees. Not because they're bad people, but because there's a cost, right? If you do a safe harbor 401k and you have seven employees and they each make 60 grand and you do a 3% match, that's 1,800 times seven, right? That's you know, 11, 12,000 bucks. That's money. Now it is tax deductible to the employer, but that is money, okay? Whereas if you set up a solo, the owners or their spouses are putting money on their own, and then you can do a match of 20 or 25%. That's only going into that group of folks. So what the control group rules say are as follows, and they're super complicated, and I've done a bunch of blogs, continue to do videos and podcasts on them in detail. But in some, they say this, if there are two or more businesses that have either 50% or more common ownership, or there's ownership from affiliated parties. So you have a situation where you have two or more companies that are owned by family members, parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-laws. We're gonna attribute and aggregate those ownerships and if they are above a threshold of either 80 or 50%, we're going to treat the companies as one company. 
And then the rules get even more complicated when you talk about affiliated services. So you can have a situation where the companies, there's even 10% or, or so of common ownership, but the companies are affiliated, meaning one company sells chairs and the other company provides management services for that chair company. Even though they're separate businesses, because they're affiliated, whereas one of them is essentially a consulting operation for the other, the IRS Department of Labor will treat both companies as one company for purposes of the control group rules. So basically, they look at it at either a parent sub, brother, sister, some combination, and then this affiliated services. The parent sub is 80% or more. So if company A owns company B, there has to be 80% or more ownership to have, to have control group rule. But there is attribution. Meaning if I own 70%, my kids own 20%, now we're in the over 80% bucket. Brother, sister is you have either 80% of uh, the stock of each corp, or you have 50% or more of the stock of each corp, but only with respect to the identical ownership. Okay, so there's different rules the IRS are implementing to try to stop companies that are closely held from not offering benefits to their employees. And then obviously, as I mentioned, affiliated services, you can have a situation where two or more companies, one's an A org, one's a B org. The B org is basically a service org to the A org. And even if there's very little ownership, um, you still can trigger the control group rules because of the affiliated service. Now, the affiliated service rules generally trip up lots of folks um, because you don't necessarily have to have uh, a lot of ownership. You just need to literally have 1% where there's a shareholder that of one company that's um, part of the other company. So um, it's very complicated. If you are in a situation where you have multiple companies and there's some common ownership, then you want to talk to a tax professional, talk to us, talk to an accountant, an attorney, because you do not want to set up a plan and exclude your employees that are eligible. That's a major no-no, and the IRS will not, and the Department of Labor will not be thrilled. Okay, so anytime, Jessica, you have a situation where you have multiple companies, one has employees, one doesn't, there's some common ownership, talk to an advisor. In your case, you're probably going to trip up the um, control group rules. But if one business was owned by you and the second business was owned by your spouse, there was no cross affiliation. So let's say one was selling chairs, the other one was selling windows, they didn't do anything together. There was no cross ownership, meaning you owned 100% of the chair company, your spouse owned 100% of the window company. None of them were, you weren't employees of each one, no common ownership, no affiliation. Um, you potentially could, each company, could set up their own plan. The one without employees generally could have a solo K, but the one with employee, without employees couldn't hire the spouse for the business that has employees because then you're going to get back into um, control group rules. So very complicated. I've seen these rules trip up actuaries, trip up tax attorneys and accounts. So be mindful if you have a situation with multiple companies, common ownership, one has employees, one does it. Pause, stop. Don't go ahead and set up a solo K without speaking to tax professional because you do not want to trigger uh, the control group rules. Um, that's it. 
that's another ad mail in the bag. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, podcast. I know I did. Lots of fun. Thanks to Howie, Jessica, and Leslie. Great. Three great questions. Three super smart people. I actually don't know any uh, either of these folks. So um, if you're a client of Ira Financial, thank you. If you're not, it's okay. Thanks for the question. Um, I learned from it. I hope all of you guys also enjoyed the episode and, and got something from it. Don't remember, don't forget, don't remember, don't forget. This is a weekly podcast that drops every Thursday. So if you, um, you know, enjoyed it and hopefully you did, uh, if you're just um, bored or, you know, you've listened before, thank you and, and come back. Uh, every week, there's three uh, really, I think, super interesting questions that I address and tackle and we can each learn from each other. And uh, at the end of the day, become better self-directed retirement investors. And I get to use some of my tax and legal knowledge to sprinkle just a little bit to all of you through um, you know, three questions a week. So thanks again. Have an amazing, amazing um, rest of your day. Um, happy uh, New Year and uh, take care. Thank you.